Article 370 of the Indian Constitution granted a special status and a degree of autonomy to Jammu and Kashmir, the Indian administered part of the larger region of Kashmir, which has been the subject of a conflict between India, Pakistan and China since 1947. The article granted Jammu and Kashmir, a Muslim-majority region, the power to have its own constitution, a separate flag, and an independent internal administration over many matters, while foreign affairs, defense and communications remained the responsibility of the central Indian government. However, the current Indian central administration, led by the right-wing Hindu Nationalist Party, the BJP, of Prime Minister Narendra Modi, stripped Jammu and Kashmir of its special status by effectively revoking Article 370 on August 5, 2019. Days before the announcement, the region was subjected to internet shutdowns and media blackouts. Though India claimed at the time that the restrictions would be lifted shortly after the government regained control over the region, it turned out to be quite the opposite. The targeting of opposition leaders and the harassment and arbitrary imprisonment of journalists challenging the official narrative has widened. In this episode, we look into the suffocating environment and constant fear in which journalists in Jammu and Kashmir work on a daily basis. My name is Javier Luque, I'm the head of digital communications at IPI, and this is The Press Freedom Files. This happened in 2019, uh, in the month of uh, July. Uh, from the from the beginning of this year, 2019, there was uh, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of uh, chaos and uh, uncertainty and a lot of uh, political rumoring around uh, something major that was that was to happen uh, in Jammu and Kashmir uh, that year. I remember by June and July we had a uh, uh, we had this uh, chaos and this hysteria very much evident and visible on the streets as people were seen flooding the petrol pumps, uh, the ration depots, uh, the food stores and uh, shops where uh, shops of other essential commodities including medical including medical shops and others. This is Kasi Shibli, editor of the independent news site The Kashmir Yat, and you'll get to know him very well in the next few minutes. Kasi spent nine months in prison, seven of which in solitary confinement. He was first arrested on July 27, 2019, after his newspaper broke the story that Modi's government was considering the removal of Jammu and Kashmir's special status, which actually came into effect a week after. At the police station, initially, they kept uh, insisting that this was a fake news and uh, I should be charged for doing a fake news. That was the initial accusation against me and they kept questioning me regularly and not regularly. I think it happened uh, 
thrice or four times in in five days initially it was regarding this this order they wanted uh, they wanted me to reveal the source of this information so the same process continued for the next five six days and i uh, since i had been told by the police officials that it was a fake order it was only on the 4th of august seven days after my arrest that uh, you know that the police station the top police official officer of that very police station concerned police station got and got a communique that uh, you know that restrictions had to be placed in the entire town a curfew a strict curfew had to be placed so i i i went to him and asked him was it a fake order uh, that you had arrested me for because you kept insisting that it was a fake order he smiled and just left uh, just left the place Little did he know at that point that his ordeal was just about to start. On August 8th, more than 10 days after his initial arrest, and despite proving that the information he published was true, he was sent to Srinagar Central Prison without any charges. Unfortunately, that was not his final destination. Around 12 in the night, we reached the Srinagar Central Jail. I, I have written about it and I have spoken about it multiple times. But there is some, some there is one thing I would want to specifically uh, emphasize upon. I, I do not know if it was the jail manual or how they operate or function in the jails. But uh, we were stripped. I was I was stripped naked when we were through, when we were uh, shifted inside the jail, and uh, I think. Uh, on the ninth morning, yeah, on the ninth morning around 6 a.m. And the, this journey started somewhere around 6 in the morning, which included uh, being removed from this prison, uh, to being lodged, to being uh, boarded into the buses, to being handcuffed, and uh, then being shifted from the Srinagar Central Jail to the Air Force Base Station, which is, um, I, I think, maybe 10 kilometers from there from the jail uh, uh, then uh, the travel from Srinagar to this uh, North Indian state of Uttar Pradesh this place called Bareilly uh, the Hindu heartland uh, I think this was a journey of around uh, more than seven hours we reached Bareilly I do, I do not know but the interesting part and the most uh, shocking part out of the out of it is that throughout this journey and through the course of the next, I think, three to four months, uh, we were not informed uh, of our whereabouts. Nobody among us was informed uh, formally, officially, as to where we were being taken. It was only through unofficial sources, through our families initially, uh, who came to meet us after, uh, I think, after, only after two months, uh, that that uh, you know that uh, we had been lodged at Bareilly. Bareilly Central Jail is a high security prison located in Uttar Pradesh, 1,200 kilometers far from his home. Most of the Kashmiris who were lodged in these uh, quote unquote high security high security prisons uh, underwent drastically inhuman uh, conditions including food, the air, the weather, uh, the accommodation, the bedding, including everything. I mean, everything was uh, awfully tragic out there. Uh, 
but the most tragic part was the solitary confinement uh, uh there was nobody to share how you feel there was nobody to tell how uh, you know what you undergo nobody to share your feelings with uh, nothing no space to call your own uh nothing to see i mean it was a tall wall you cannot see beyond that it's 20 feet tall wall and every side of you is covered you are uh, you are literally uh, in a ghetto where you cannot see beyond a certain limit i mean you cannot see beyond these walls so it was uh, it was it was really it was uh, really exasperating to have survived in these 9 months i do not know how now 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 that we are out now that uh, i am out uh, it's really hard to even uh, figure out how did i survive those 9 months but i believe it's something you know it's something that gives you inspiration or that inspires you at such occasions it was perhaps the sufferings of others who were out there i think it was uh, it was these people who kept you know infusing a little bit of energy into you to be able to survive in otherwise uh, unsurvivable conditions kasi learned there that he had been booked under india's public safety act for quote unquote disrupting the peaceful atmosphere and to motivate the people to secede the state of jammu and kashmir from the union of india i mean the worst part about my case was that uh, initially for a period of 50 uh, more than 50 days uh, against all the legal principles and against the basic legal framework my family was not informed regarding my whereabouts and nobody was told why i was being uh, why i had been detained and it was only after 52 days that my family was informed that i had been uh, exiled to a place 600 miles away from my home uh, and after my family came to meet me i also came to know that we had been as I, uh, as i said earlier uh during the course of this conversation that uh, we had been shifted to bareilly it was only it was only through my family that i came to know about this and they also told me that i had been booked under public safety act uh which uh, which is a which often has been referred to as the lawless law by the amnesty international and widely condemned by human rights organizations global human rights organizations uh as a draconian law uh which allows uh, which allows the government uh on a mere uh, on a magisterial order to detain any person on the mere basis of suspect uh, suspicion that he or she he or she uh, may be deterrent to law and order situation and uh, this very law allows the government to place any person under preventive detention for a period of at least 3 months and for a period of maximum 2 uh, years
Kasi was released from prison on April 23, 2020, but his case is not an isolated incident. Just a few weeks ago, on January 5, 2021, we learned that Sayed Gul, a young journalist for the independent news outlet The Kashmir Wala, was arrested and imprisoned 10 days later under the same draconian law for reporting on a protest and uploading the video on social media. Fahad Shah is the editor of the media outlet. He was uh, booked under a Public Safety Act. Uh, well, this is the act under which uh, you can put anybody in prison for minimum six, for six months to two years without the trial. So you can just keep the person in jail. So there was uh, the act was slapped against him, and it took us few days uh, to find out the grounds of the detention for that act. And it is like a three-page dossier that they have formed, in which they have written that uh, he was not reporting about the welfare of the region. He was mostly uh, reporting, and he was creating enmity among the people. He was writing against the state. All of that stuff has been written in that, that as a journalist, you are not reporting about the welfare of the state. And then uh, he was shifted to a jail, which is around uh, 250 kilometers from here, from his home. It's in Jammu. These arbitrary arrests and random summons to police stations, or by the army, have created a suffocating atmosphere for any independent journalist to operate in. As a reporter, explains Fahad, you never know what's going to be the story that will put you in jail or trigger a physical attack when you are reporting on the street. Well, it's the simple it's a simple thing why the government does this. You need to understand that in 2019 the government said there is a certain problem in Kashmir and this is how we are going to resolve it. And then in the next two years they kept saying that we have resolved this problem. There's no conflict, there's no people are not angry at the government, people are not throwing stones, people are not picking up guns, everything is so fine. People want jobs, they want tourism to flourish, they want this, they want they want to live happily and ever after. They don't want to care about what is happening politically so when someone goes out there and starts reporting against that narrative against the government narrative that person is seen as a problem see the issue i mentioned the same thing about sajad also that what is a problem their problem with sajad is that he reported certain things that uh, he reported people's anger against the government so today if a journalist is reporting people's anger against the government the journalist is blamed for that that you are inciting people against the government that's not the case it is the mere messenger there is anger already on the street there is anger already among the people now the journalists are just doing their job that they are reporting see this is the problem people are not happy with a b or c the government should have looked into those matters. But the, what the government does it, they don't even want those things to be reported. They just want to, you know, turn a blind eye and say everything is fine, you know. Over the years, advertising dollars from the government had become a vital source of support for many news outlets in the region. However, since India took control over the region, state advertising has become a tool to keep critical reporting in check with authorities removing or reducing the number of ads in what remains of the independent media if they wander too far from the official narrative. So as an independent publication, it is very tough 
to survive financially because uh, we are not in like let's say us or uk where the independent model of journalism is so vibrant that people are subscribing that there are different uh, private avenues there are grants there are fundings that is not the case in kashmir so we are mainly dependent on some small advertisements that you get from facebook or youtube or now and then you can apply for a grant if you are eligible for that grant and also we keep uh, sending over messages to people we keep sharing and saying that you need to support independent media financially you need to subscribe the financial pressure is in fact just the tip of the iceberg india has been increasingly making it more difficult for international correspondents and national newspapers to report from the ground in kashmir which means that most of the information comes from local journalists who in turn are subjected to random police raids of their homes, interrogation, threatening phone calls, and arbitrary imprisonment. According to the Kashmir Yat, at least 40 journalists in Jammu and Kashmir has been subjected to this type of harassment over the last year. The other challenge is that when, as an independent media house, we report certain things that do not appear in mainstream media. So we tend to appear as odd one out. So the government easily sees us that, okay, these are the problems in the region. These are the only people who are reporting these things. Everything else we have controlled, we need to control them. And then there is a lot of intimidation. There is a lot of, uh, you know, threatening atmosphere that emerges. You just start to receive calls that you need to remove this story or don't report this story if you want to be safe. So there is fear and there is a psychological warfare that happens around you that uh, you are being made to be, you know, fearful about things, whether we should do it or not. But at that point of time, to keep track of uh, your editorial policy and stay aligned to the mission that you have, that you need to report as much as possible, it is very tricky. But we keep, uh, we do our best to stay on that path that we need to report no matter what is happening around in the past two years since uh, india uh, revoked the limited autonomy of this region when the whole shift basically happened in the media and generally in the situation in here there are multiple incidents that we have reported and a lot of people have not reported there are multiple occasions where we have been targeted like i i have been targeted or our institution has been targeted whether it is the campaigns that happen against us or whether it is the uh, you know rumor campaigns or whether it is the threats that uh, come to you or whether it is through one way or the other you are being intimidated or it is the detention or the summons or the interrogations that happen so those are the difficult parts and it really uh, uh, affects your mental health and you know it really affects you, you mentally that what do we need to do now how are we going to sustain how are we going to survive because the future doesn't seem so bright in Kashmir Many of the independent journalists in Kashmir draw their strength from the support they receive from colleagues in other parts of India, as well as from media freedom organizations that closely monitor the situation. The continued attention of the international media on the situation in Kashmir gives local journalists hope to continue doing their work, despite the attempts of their own government to corner and isolate them. 
how do i cope personally well for the mental health of it i have uh, obviously taken medical help i have uh, i do see therapists now and then and try to cope up with the situation how to survive in this atmosphere i have also tried to take some of the trainings as a journalist how to cope up uh, in a situation where the situation is mentally traumatic and uh, i do stay in touch with uh, some of the friends and the colleagues outside of kashmir also when discuss things that this is what the situation is like this is how things are like and uh, i wouldn't say like you know there is a huge uh, collective or the community where we uh, help each other or where we take care of each other as journalists but yes uh, for me personally there is there are a lot of people out there whether in different parts of india or whether in different parts of the world there are a lot of uh, uh, media rights uh, organizations who have extremely supported me i think i would like to mention the reporters without borders uh, the media uh, rights organization who have been a major support to us in the last two years there is cpj there are you there are a lot of other people who keep supporting and who keep checking uh, ch- 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 checking on us and what is going on whenever something happens whenever there is an incident or whenever there is a summon or a case they keep checking on quickly that what is going on are you okay is everything fine do we need some help so that kind of keeps uh, one going that okay there is someone who does care about what is happening in this you know tiny part of the world despite his experience in prison Kasi Shibli still runs the Kashmir Yat. In fact, the newspaper has developed a dedicated section to report on every single incident in which a journalist, even those working in remote areas of Kashmir, has been targeted by authorities or harassed online. I am a very hopeful person and I hope the international pressure that has developed over these years in the past couple of years as I said earlier is going to be a great help. and uh, the more we speak about it uh, the more uh, the more the problem gets cured we have to we have to learn that speaking uh, you know speaking about the problems is is the first cure to any problem and because we have spoken about our problems because we have spoken about uh, the harassment of journalists i mean uh, I mean we are seeing a slight reduction in the number of harassment. I mean it hasn't stopped at all. I mean it is it is still very unfortunate that it's happening in a civilized uh in in a, in a democratic setup at least which claim at at least a system which claims to be the largest democracy in the world but unfortunately it curbs the uh, very freedom of expression and the freedom of press in in Jammu and Kashmir. so i i believe uh, it has to stop i mean some sooner sooner the better and uh, let's let's hope that things get better however i'm purely talking in pragmatic terms the very survival of the few independent news organizations left in kashmir is at stake as is the ability of freelance journalists to do their work according to fahad shad either the situation will dramatically change within the next months or the only news coming out from the region will be the news dictated by the government 
I'm not sure even how long can we sustain, whether it will be a problem faced financially or threatens, th- threats or the intimidation. I don't know how long can we survive. It is at an alarming level. It has reached at an alarming level where, you know, we really need to think that at one point of time, there will be no journalism in Kashmir. If this is the situation right now, that will continue in the next few years also. There, will, there won't be anyone standing up and saying like, okay, I'm going to report this, even if we, the government doesn't like it, because the situation is very grim. IPI will continue to monitor the situation in Kashmir and calls on the international community to put pressure on Modi's government in India to stop the crackdown on press freedom and journalists' rights in Kashmir. That's it for today. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe to our channel. This podcast has been produced by the International Press Institute and you can support our work on defending independent media worldwide on our donation site. Just visit our website, ipi.media. We know your time is precious, so thanks for listening all the way to the end and see you in the next episode of the Press Freedom Files. Mm-hmm.